No one asked your opinion, you filthy little mudblood. She'll pay for that one, Malfoy. Eat slugs! Welcome back to Novel Ideas of the Illiterati, uh, where we're covering the second Harry Potter, Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. I'm Andrea. And I'm Michael. Oh, and that was my cat, Poppy. See, she's finally started meowing in the background. It's going to be a whole lot of this. Even your cats don't, don't that, that hate me? That will... They don't hate you. They came they out... They are spooked. Because cats are smart, and they don't just trust with mm. impunity. Mm. Yeah. The way that one was staring at me all freaked out. She... <laughs> I thought I was like a cat serial killer or something. Well, don't give off such cat serial killer vibes. I don't know what you want from me. Oh, so let's see if I remember this book at all since it took you so damn long. Oh, I'm sorry. To catch up with me uh, this time. Did you not take notes? <laughs> I did take notes, and I kind of know what my notes mean still. I don't remember some of them, but they're there. Honestly, this one didn't have as many notes as the first one. Uh, my, my first opinion about the book is it's way better written than the first one. Yeah. There is one thing I noticed. I think it was like, it was either two or three times in the book. For some reason, every time Harry Potter decides to recall a memory, he always remembers it like it was yesterday. And I guess maybe my other issue was the rehashes from the last book. Put all the rehashes together. You probably could have filled up an entire chapter. Someone's done that research. Someone has it compiled. But I bet. And if not, we'll feel that. We'll feel that niche. Well, I agree. Because I remember I messaged you after I read this and watched it, and I told you I felt like this would be a much shorter episode just because I had, I was writing much less mm -hmm. during it. I don't know if that's good or bad. Just, yeah, it was curious to me. Anything you want to, you want to, that, that popped to mind while you were reading? Well, it was a lot of things, and I'm trying to figure out the more sensible place to start. Um, oh, okay. So, the start of the movie, you know, they have the whole flu powder mm -hmm. incident. And Harry goes to the wrong place. Which, weirdly, in the movie, he says diagonally. Isn't that what he says in the book? Well, in the book, I think it's because he, like, he coughs. Like, it gets into his throat and he says something weird. And in the movie, he just forgets how to speak for a second. Which I was like, I mean, it's fine. Yeah. Whatever, y'all. You do what you want. He was anxious. He was a little anxious boy. We've all been there. We've all been anxious boys. Yeah. Um, so what I thought was cool, and I saw it as just total foreshadowing in the book, and then when the movie included it kind of in the background, I was like, hell yes, I think I'm right. So Harry ends up in Borgen and Burks, which as we know is the, uh, the shady shop. Um... And there's a necklace there that is described as having, I think, a bunch of, you know, dark stones, onyx type. And it says, Caution, do not touch. Cursed has claimed the lives of 19 muggle owners to date. And I was like, this is definitely the necklace Draco Malfoy uses in Half-Blood Prince. Oh, damn, yeah. good call. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I was pretty proud of that myself. And yeah, they show it when Harry gets there. They do show a necklace in a glass case in the movie. So I thought if J.K. Rowling had input on the movie, 
it might have been something that she said, oh, you should definitely include this. It's an Easter egg. That's fantastic. Well, I didn't notice it. Yeah, she's good at peppering stuff in, I've noticed. Yeah, probably helped by the time this movie was out. She was working on, she was working on Half-Blood Prince. Or, or not Half-Blood Prince, but Order of the Phoenix. Maybe she was working on Half-Blood Prince. Because uh, this movie came out, what, 2002? I guess so. I don't know dates. What are dates? Yeah, they don't exist anymore. So I'm going to try to rag on the movies less. I, I don't know how well that's going to go. But one nice thing I really enjoyed was the way they handled the howler. Oh, yeah. It was very well done. And then that little, like, blowing raspberry at the end was just such a beautiful little touch. I don't know. I like these little creative decisions that movies will make. Yeah, the movie... Um, that one was nice. The movie played up the silliness a lot. Also better directed. They were already playing up some of the dark tone of the books, at least later on, because I don't think the book was as dark as the movie was just because of how much information they were giving that was another thing that was nice was with the movie better edited and things being more seamless they did have better source material than the first one the first one there it just felt like there was like a lot of moments of just 30 seconds shots of different characters but this one just sort of it was edited and it was better paced than the first one well not to immediately shit on your comment, but apparently it was Chris Columbus who did both of the first two. Yeah. Which, I mean, it could still be that he just got more comfortable and better at directing mm-hmm. this universe. But yeah, I mean, because I always thought these two were obviously pretty similar in style, but second one does handle a lot of things better. Yeah, this one was a lot more enjoyable to watch, in my opinion. Chris Chris Columbus sailed the seven seas, or just one sea, to America, but he also is good at directing, at least this one. Going back to uh, Borgen and Burt, I love that scene in the movie because it, sh- it th- there was a couple of like nice character tells. The actors uh, did a great job of portraying themselves, specifically Lu- the guy that played Lucius, when he's selling his stuff and then he decides to take more coins out of the register. Oh, just yeah. showing that... He was like, oh, this is not worth it enough. I'm going to go ahead and take this money. But I loved the fact that the owner, the shopkeeper, took a coin back. He was like, no, no, I'm going to be a little sniving character and just and take this back. Nice little things like that. I do like when Lucius shows up again at the bookstore. You do you can actually see the second book or the, the diary placed into the cauldron. Yeah. And can I just say, Lucius Malfoy's wardrobe is so fantastic. Yeah, I he, Lucius is great. Just, I mean, he sucks, but he's, he, he, he's great. A, he's a great character. What's well, one of those things where like you hate the character, but the actor does such a great job that they're almost kind of doing too well at being dislikable, but, you know, <laughs> got to give credit for carrying that role well. Like Lockhart, I... Absolutely hate Lockhart, but I like the actor that played him. Like, he did a, he was just ridiculous, like, the, mm-hmm. as the character should be. Oh, that was another thing, another great thing that I noticed with, the, with them showing the visual medium being able to show things in a way the book doesn't, was when, at the end of the movie, when he decides not to help Jenny by going into the Chamber of Secrets, when he's packing up his stuff, it turns out Lockhart wears wigs. Oh, yeah. He has a wig, so it also plays up the fact that his whole persona is fake. <laughs> like, nothing about mm-hmm. him is real. 
Not even his hair. Who knows? Maybe his, like you know, he he's he's won the award for the best smile. Maybe his teeth aren't even fake. Which those are some pearly ass white teeth. I've never well, seen teeth that white. It's funny because this also caused one of my things that's going to become just a a trope I'm going to totally bring up all the time now, which is Ron calling shit. Um, This is Ron calling shit corner. Mm -hmm. And when Lockhart abandons them with the pixies, Harry says Lockhart doesn't know what he's doing and Hermione defends him due to the accomplishments in his books and all that he's done. And Rod retorts Mm -hmm. all he says he's done. And it's just really funny that right she also peppered that in but also she does give a lot of these insights to ron so again i'm looking for the ways that the movies have kind of dumbed down the character that i've grown to be not the biggest fan of and i'm trying to reevaluate that with my rereading ron's a pretty great character i mean i think later on he becomes a little hormonal but at least in the early books he's fantastic Funny enough, he and Harry become the most hormonal, which is nice that it shows how hormonal young men can be as well. But, I mean, the entire fifth book, for the most part, is Harry hormonal and lonely and angsty about it. Like, he would have listened to a lot of The Cure in book five. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Do wizards listen to muggle music? You know, probably not. There's that great... Dance like a hippogriff song that they made for a movie for. <laughs> yeah, that was awkward. I mean, it's fun. Let's just uh... leave it at that. Ooh, okay. Also, interesting thing. The Pixie release in Lockhart's classroom was also another example of something else I'm watching out for, which is the movies making Hermione even more badass than she's originally supposed to be. In the books, she starts kind of disabling Mm -hmm. pixie mania one by one and kind of freezing them slightly. And then in the movie, she just immobilizes the shit out of all of them and they all move like they're underwater in slow motion. And again, you know, I don't hate it, but I think that's part of the movie's faults is she starts seeming like she's carrying the group, whereas in the books, they're kind of all contributing different strengths and it's somewhat more even. Yeah, I'll agree with that. Though I can understand in a visual medium perspective of having them all be slowed at once because it would be kind of annoying watching that happen because that would take up like some time visually. I mean, unless literally she started doing it pretty much right off the bat because the movie is freaking three hours long that's it's crazy to me how long this this movie is for a children's book like no other children's movie is this long i understand why they did it as hermione just doing it all at once instead of that so same thing with like the dueling scene like there's supposed to be like a whole segment where all the all the kids are sort of dueling one another learning a couple of spells, but instead they sort of, they skip that part and just go straight to Malfoy and Harry because visually it's the most right. interesting thing to do. One thing I, I've always hated, I hated it as a kid too, was when they're flying the car, they turn the, them finding the Hogwarts train into like oh, an yeah, action sequence. Death, the train is about to hit us and kill us sequence. 
Yeah, that's one thing I I never I've never like unnecessary act, action sequences. Like I hate that in films because it it wasn't needed. Like you don't you already have our attention with everything that's going on. You don't need an action sequence to hold my attention. It's just sort of. I guess it's a kids' film, and you might lose a child's attention span, which is shorter. But two hours and forty minutes of our evening to this movie. (laughs) But it is funny. I don't think I really even noticed it until you pointed out exactly how long it is. Maybe just because it's such a nice nostalgia trip for me. These movies that I don't care that they're long. But yeah, it's a it's kind of a time suck. I'll agree. This one actually felt shorter than the first movie to me. And the first movie is, I don't know, I think 20 minutes shorter. Just because of the way that it was edited, it just had like a nice faster pace. And it just kept your attention because of the mystery of everything. I think in the first film, and at least in the first book, the mystery of that story didn't happen until, I don't know, like about like three-fourths of the way in or something. Like something, like maybe two-thirds of the way in. Your your mystery is at the end, whereas you know the chamber is opened pretty early because Ginny has this diary, and so it ha- happens pretty early in the school semester. And there's all the detective work, which is a great thing. I think these books are less action adventure stories and more detective stories. They're just they're basically Judy Bloom stories, but you know in the wizarding world. I can see that. I also really liked my Nancy Drew books around this age. I mean, it was kind of, um... Ooh, I never read any. They were good for young people wanting to handle, I guess, an adult world with adult consequences, but still kind of younger writing. I just, there's something very egregious about them, not to get off on a super long tangent, but they would have the equivalent of Nancy Drew as the Hardy Boys, and it was so clearly gendered. And I do remember there was this kind of really weird sexist thing about It was Nancy Drew and her two friends. It was like Bessie and George. And it was kind of messed up that George was the tomboyish girl and Bessie was always the girl that they described as a few pounds too chubby. And then Nancy's just right in the middle and that's our hero. (laughs) And it's just like, what are you teaching young girls? But yeah, anyway, no, I'd always get the six pack of those. And then that's when I started, like, we would go to Sam's Club and I would get either those books or the new Harry Potter. And I would just sit in the cart being rolled around while reading the book I couldn't wait to get into. Yeah, I think while the Harry Potter books were going on, I was reading a lot of the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe series. And I was also reading Lord of the Rings, just sort of keeping that fantasy up. I don't know. The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe series is kind of eh. Yeah, I never finished them. Really? We're not, that's not even the book we're talking about. But it's... There is... My favorite book was The Silver Chair because there's a character in it throughout, like, throughout the entire thing that's just ridiculous. And it's great. And it was fun. The last book sucked. And I can't remember that much. I remember them sneaking around trying to get to something. And then it's basically... The whole thing is like Christ, Christianity metaphors. But like that last one was, I think, just the beginning of uh, Christianity really taking on the idea of a rapture. Mm. And so I think that sort of happens in the book, if I remember correctly. Anyways, back to the back to Chamber that. of Secrets. I, I, I want to go back on one thing um, with, the, mm-hmm. with the flying car. Why is it that it's bad that there is a flying car, but Hagrid has a flying motorcycle? I don't know if he's supposed to. But everyone knows he has it. 
Dumbledore and McGonagall know. It's not the same as everyone knowing. Plus, not to mention, I guess not long after that book is when Sirius is framed. So I don't know if he'd be going around advertising that he has Sirius right. Black's flying motorcycle. But I do know what you mean. I think it's particularly egregious because Ron's dad is working for the Department of Misuse of Muggle Artifacts. So, I mean, it's one of those things like weed isn't bad, but when your dad's a DEA agent, it just doesn't look good. Yeah, but when your dad's a DEA agent, you get a bunch of free weed. You just go into the, you just go into where the evidence locker is and, you know, so much free weed. Yeah, you make Instagram posts about how your mom's your best friend, and that's not weird at all. <laughs> what? I'm just saying, people that are really good quote friends with their parents always have a weird as hell dynamic, and their kids are out of control. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Not yeah, to yeah. pepper in I'll my preference on parenting styles, but oh, so again, I don't want. I'm not trying to fight about it because I know this movie's already long, but it was kind of disappointing that they left out Harry seeing the Malfoys at Borgen and Burks because we do know for a fact that's where. Not only did Malfoy allegedly get the necklace there, but that's where the disappearing cabinet was. And so I think she was setting up this setting as a place for the Malfoys to be shady. And like, that's where he also found out where the Malfoys were hiding certain things. And he later told Ron's dad where to find illegal artifacts the next time Malfoy Manor was raided, which was a really fun detail for me in the books. Oh, I don't remember this, but... Yeah, because he was trying okay. to bust the Malfoys on stuff for a while, but I think he had... Im- I don't know if I'm exaggerating, but he might have embarrassed himself, at least in front of the Malfoys, because he let this raid on their house that didn't turn up anything. And, you know, then they made fun of them for being poor again, or other Malfoy shit. Alright, but this leads to, speaking of the Malfoys, my biggest gripe with the movie by far... Malfoy calls Hermione a mudblood, and Ron accidentally Mm -hmm. vomits slugs the rest of the day because of it. But they're in Hagrid's hut, and Harry, as the convenient outsider, is confused like us as to what happened and why it was so offensive. And in the book, Hermione's also confused, which makes sense since it's their second fucking year at Hogwarts. In the movie, Hermione is all teary and Mm -hmm. distant like it's a slur she's been hearing her whole life, which is weird considering you just got to a magical school and you wouldn't have heard it before. But no, she's got the trauma of someone that's been carrying this for life. I don't know. I mean, it did set up a cute moment with them and Hagrid, which is very wholesome and I love it a lot of, you know, him comforting her, but... I just didn't understand that directorial decision. Other than, look, she's sad. You be sad, too. Yeah. I agree with you. It's Isn't it... I can't remember. In the book, was it Ron or was it Hagrid that explained what Mudblood was? Um, well, I think they both say something about it. I don't remember the specifics. I think, if I remember right, Ron was explaining something and then more slugs came up and Hagrid took over. Yeah, I like that scene better in the book as well. But that is a nice foreshadowing of Ron, you know, really caring about Hermione. Even though they shouldn't be together, but, you know, it's whatever. Yeah, I was thinking a lot, maybe... You can't change the past, <laughs> J.K. Rowling. Um, 
Well, also, you can't be going on Twitter hating on trans folk. Yeah. That's a weird turn of events. Way to go, J.K. Rowling. Although the government's doing it, too, so I guess she had company. Yeah, but do you really want to be company with the government? I mean, no. If, if anything, recent events have made the government more unpopular, which is where it should be. I swore it wouldn't get political. Mm. This is not a political podcast. No, it just so happened that J.K. Rowling was talking about something, so we'll just end it there. This isn't about the author. This is about the Fair. works. Oh, also, opinion that I had while reading the book, um, and I guess also the movie as well. You know, Ron's, Ron's, uh, Ron's wand snaps, and then he doesn't want to tell his parents that it snapped because, you know, they already crashed the car and stuff. How come Harry didn't buy him a new wand? Because I know specifically in the book, uh, when they go to Gringotts to, to check the vaults, Harry feels bad for having so much money in comparison yeah. to the Weasleys. And I feel like, you know, Harry's a really compassionate character. Why didn't he just buy a new wand for Ron? I mean, I get that the whole purpose of Ron having a defect wand is so that later on when they're in the Chamber of Secrets and... Lockhart picks it up and ends up memory wiping himself. I guess that's the point. But I feel like Harry would have, you know, offered to get at least offered, and then Ron maybe would have turned well, it down. And it's not. But. That's not the gripe I had with this whole thing. I mean, I agree. She obviously wrote it so she'd have this fun coincidental thing with Lockhart. But it's more so the fact that mm-hmm. do Hogwarts kids have any way? of leaving to go get supplies i can't be the first time in the history of hogwarts someone's wand has broken and mcgonagall just says at some point hey ron you should write home for a new wand but i'm sitting here thinking don't you have to try these out is there really no way the school could have planned for sometimes a kid might need a wand and we should account for it instead of let them waste a year with a wand that doesn't work and not really learning any spells. I mean, Hogwarts just seems to be so great in some ways and then, yeah, just not have care. no planning for anything whatsoever. Yeah. They really don't care about actually teaching the kids. They chose literally the worst person to be the defense against the dark arts teacher. Like, they all, all the professors knew how terrible Lockhart was. And Dumbledore did too, but for some reason Lockhart is chosen as a defense against the arts teacher. I mean, maybe he was the only person to apply for yeah, the position. Yeah, they try to explain it that no one wants the job because they think it's cursed. And I don't know if Dumbledore necessarily knew that Lockhart is being a creep and taking away people's memories. I'm sure he knew he was kind of overhyping himself, but yeah, it seems like even then you right. might have some some better candidates so i'm going to talk about the elephant in the room there's definitely a masturbation joke in here in the is book is it Ginny catching percy yeah yeah yeah, yeah. On, on page 287 she catches percy and apparently he's doing something that made her so horrified well, wait. and it turns out no like, i know that it turns out later on he has a girlfriend and apparently they were snogging but i don't see why that would horrify Jenny or make him think that it would horrify Jenny. You know, maybe they were doing something else besides snogging. Maybe maybe the snogging was happening a little lower. There definitely is set up as a masturbation joke when you first read it on 
page 287. For anyone that wants to look it up, it's on page 287. I don't know if it's the same on paperback or in the, U or in the UK books, but in the hardback, it's page 287. And you know, that's what I thought when I first read it, read it and I was disappointed I forgot it. I think it would pro it's probably a red herring mm -hmm. by her to more adult readers to assume something dirtier but then it does seem like she kind of backtracks right. out of it for the young audience. Yeah, I mean, I don't even know if she needed to backtrack out of it, but I feel like as a kid, I wouldn't have thought anything. Just he was doing something horrifying. I'm trying to think. What have we not talked about? The CGI was a lot better in this film than the first one. Yeah, I thought I'll the Whomping that. Willow was pretty cool. Oh yeah, Dobby too. Dobby looked good. Whomping Willow was nice because they actually switched between CGI yeah. and mechanical practical effects. And I, I, I liked seeing the mechanical practical effects. Like, I'm just, I'm a sucker for that type of stuff in films. I wish people used less CGI. Yeah, that was nice. Dobby looked good. The only time I had an issue with the CGI, and I, I wonder if I'm going to have this every time, it's whenever the Quidditch matches are going on. Like, it's so blatant that they're in front of a blue or green screen. The, the sequence where Harry and Malfoy are diving in between the, the banisters looks good. But like when they're just sort of like floating around and the shot lasts for, I don't know, longer than a second, it, it's like very obvious they're, yeah. you know, in front of a screen. Plus the, I think the CGI, I think half the issue is the CGI for the daytime environment always looks a little off. Like the woods looked fantastic. The spiders looked good. My issue is with the spiders though and uh, with Aragog, Aragorg, Aragog, 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 and uh, is whenever he takes a step, like there's a huge giant sounding depth. He's really not stepping that hard. Like he's kind of gently placing his legs down. You don't need this big sound to make it seem scary. In my opinion, it would be creepier to have like a giant thing making like silent or softer steps, at least. That's just me. That would be my choice if I was the sound editor. No, that's fair. Yeah, giant spider can be creepy enough. And, and I mean, they're spiders. They're quiet. I had an idea. Now, I'm not trying to say I would have done a better job, but... I had an idea that it would have been a really cool twist of events if Harry actually got stuck in the book in the past and had to defeat the snake that way. Like, it would have been a lot more of a creepy book if he actually got stuck in the diary. Like, maybe Jenny got stuck in, sucked in there yeah, too and he exactly. had to go in to um, save her. The issue is that, though, is you don't have him defeating the snake. Well, I thought he could have defeated it in the past and, and it would have actually been a less but it's not like the real past though well could have been i mean yeah i guess you could have written it that way that he actually goes in the past but then there would be an issue with people seeing him and he would be affecting the past in some sort of way because oh, he's falling like around tom riddle three literally our next one <laughs> that would have been a lot of time traveling in two sequential books yeah. but i don't know like i think it would have been a bit less formulaic harry saves the day dumbledore gets on the gryffindor cup hype train 
if it just happens in the past and he gets no credit. By giving 200 points to both Harry and Ron. Like, how much better would it have been if he does it in the past and gets <laughs> no present day credit for it? Yeah, I I feel like sometimes Harry, po- Harry Potter gets too much credit when, you know, they were all working together. True, at least this time he doesn't get more points than everyone else. And he and Ron actually get an equal number. Yeah, I will say, though... It is kind of nice and shows how, because you were talking about how Hermione is like, you know, at least in the movie is becoming Mm -hmm. ultra powerful. The fact that Hermione gets, you know, sidestepped because she gets petrified and doesn't actually, and isn't involved in the finale. She, she's only helpful. She does all the investigation work, stuff like that. What is it? They they get the note out of her hand, and they and Ron and Harry have to figure the rest out because I think in the first book she pretty much like figured it all out on her own for the most part. At least going through the trials, she helped a lot in my opinion. Well, the trials are weighted at things they all do differently. Although, again, the movie in the first one made it all seem like it was Hermione because she remembers Nicholas Flamel in a book. But in the book, Harry remembers mm-hmm. seeing Nicholas Flamel on Dumbledore's chocolate frog card. So again, that movie... Don't they do that in the movie? They don't show that, but in the book, Harry's the one who remembers where he saw Nicholas Flamel. And then this prompts Hermione to find the book that also mentions him. But Harry gets there first. Mm. So it's still kind of Hermione somewhat stealing the show in the movie yeah but i know what you mean and then of course the best part that the movie completely knocked it out of the park with was hagrid's return because in the book it's just this like casual mention everyone's having a jolly old time and look there's hagrid but him actually getting that reception as a grown-ass woman got me a little emotional I'll admit. It's like, I wish people would remember me. <laughs> yeah, right? Also, why in the wizarding world do they not basically milk Phoenix's tears? It fucking fixes everything. It doesn't matter how close to death you are. Just carry around a little bottle of, of, of Phoenix's tear and you're good to go. I feel like that would be a thing. I could see it. Like, there are these creepy underground Phoenix farms where they're just kind of kept locked up and they're just used for their tears. And then you have, uh, then you have like the younger crowd being pissed off that they're using these animals <laughs> um they're using these animals just for this thing and you know it's basically hermione ron and harry to decide to break into this this phoenix coop and free all the phoenixes well she tried it and then gave hermione a disastrous attempt with uh s-p-e-w spew uh <laughs> yeah I'm out of notes. I mean, that's I fine. I'm exhausted. That's the thing. I just didn't have much to report on this one. Um, oh, I did have a note that this might be bullshit, but I feel like Harry is so enraptured mm-hmm. with the riddle when he gets it, and it might be, again, the Horcrux telling him it's significant in some way is why, but then he also does kind of... I guess it's different with the Half-Blood Prince textbook because they're... It's just, oh shit, I'm finally good at potions. This book is pretty cool. But everyone is confused why he's 
so intrigued by this diary with nothing in it, but I feel like that might, again, be pointing to the fact that he's aware on some level of its significance because of the horcrux in his head. Could be. I think that's a good point. I mean, he really becomes interested in it once he uh, accidentally spills ink on it, right? And then he starts talking to a book like that's totally normal. <laughs> hey, look, in the world of magic, you know, keep an open mind. I mean, sometimes you, you find friends in the strangest of places. Sometimes they're books. You know, and it's curious, so we, Hermione is made to be such a powerhouse. And one thing I'm really curious about going forward is how they do the opposite with Ginny, where she's actually a very talented witch in the books and then the movies don't show a lot of that yeah the movies do jack shit for jenny we'll be able to touch on that even more so yay (laughs) but we'll tackle that when we get to it (laughs) (laughs) so at the end of this book harry potter got 250 points for gryffindor ron got 195 195 points for gryffindor and Hermione only got 30. So take that, Hermione. Wait, seriously? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I've decided I'm going to do a thing where I calculate the points, and the points gained and lost by all, by all three of them. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. That's great. So, yeah. Harry gets, I forget what he got 50 for. And Ron lost five points. And I think all of Hermione's points came from answering questions in the herpiculture class. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Basically, these kids, these three kids are getting all the points for Gryffindor. What are the rest of them doing? Yeah, the points only seem to matter when it's happening with our characters, but also the entire thing of ranking the houses again. The house system is very divisive, and I don't quite understand. Like, at least if you sorted kids randomly. Because I know, you know, my parents coming up in Romania. Mm Mm-hmm. They had, classes were set up differently where you stayed with the same group of kids for the most part throughout school and then, you know, you'd stay in a classroom and different teachers would come to you, but those were the kids you grew up with and, you know, they have a lot of close friends still from that, but they weren't sorted by personality types, you know, it wasn't, right. let's look down on this group, Yeah. how dare Hufflepuffs be loyal friends, I don't know, (laughs) they're so boring. Uh, hey, Hufflepuff gets too much flack. I know. They're the fun That's ones. They're the, they're the ones that will go out and just do and do random shit. So which is better, the book or the movie? You know, this one's tough because, again, that Hagrid scene carries a lot of my points mm-hmm. in this. Um, I'm going to say it's at least a tie. I actually think the movie is better. That's just me. There's a lot of cool visual stuff in this that, like, wasn't in the books. They added in the movie. And it's it's really well done. It's a, it's a solid film. Yeah. And it sort of, it takes out some of the fluff of the book that, that was unnecessary. Plus, also, the book, ugh, God, the, the book loses a lot of points for all of the rehashing stuff. That just annoyed the crap out of me. Give people credit that they remember things. Especially, like, once you bring up a thing again, like, people usually remember it. What's well, my, my same issue with why 
do shows still bother doing recaps? Mm-hmm. Especially when you're on Netflix and you know we're binging all of it. I don't need a recap that I just have to skip in a timely way to not rewatch this thing that I've dedicated my whole evening to. A la Tiger King. <laughs> Wait, they did that in Tiger King? No, I'm just saying, you know, speaking of shows, you're going to sit down and probably just binge in a day. Yeah. I don't need a recap. But how are you going to remember anything if they don't tell you? My hand needs holding. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, like, uh, I'm, I'm giving this one to the, to, the, to the movie, actually. I think the movie was great. So. Can I just say it's so eerie? I said that, and Poppy put her paw in my hand. Aww. My cats can read minds. Cats are pretty damn special. That's the reason why we worship them. Exactly. Cool. So I guess that's the end of this one. Uh, and we'll obviously be doing Prisoner of Azkaban next. You know, just going okay, through these. Best one. Are you talking about a book or movie? Both. I just love three a lot. For some reason, I didn't like it as a kid. I don't know. It's me. So it's going to be interesting reading this as an adult. The fourth one was always my favorite book. My least favorite movie. Well... Come back next week. To find out more. To hear me arguing with Michael about why three is the best. I mean, maybe I'll have a change of heart. Maybe you will. And if not, you're going to get roasted. <laughs> We're looking forward to that. Yep. Cool. All right, well, All thanks right. for paying attention to us. Yep. This is it. Signing off. Goodbye. All right. Let's go. Oh, Harry. If you die down there, you're welcome to share my toilet. Ah. <laughs> uh, thanks, Myrtle.